Good morning. That's good. It is a blessing to be here. I I really like the spirit in this group. It's just an encouragement to me to be here. This morning I'm not going to I'm not going to preach. Somebody asked me one time if I'm going to preach. I don't preach, but I would like to open the scriptures and I have no qualifications to be a preacher, but I am a servant of the Lord and I'd like to share what he shared with me. And hopefully it'll be an encouragement to you folks. And I think that's what we're here for. Among other things is to encourage one another because this is not an easy road. I'd like to speak this morning and look at the subject of guilt and forgiveness. And before I go into that topic, I want to go back about 30 years. I think it's at least 30 years. But I remember a message that was brought to us at Harrisburg by a visiting minister from back east. And he said, I'm going to speak about forgiveness this evening. And he said, that's a subject that all of us have to deal with sooner or later. We live in a, in a hostile world to Christianity. And we live in a world that is filled with many cruel and uh, rude, difficult people to deal with. And all of us, at one time or another, have been hurt, sometimes very deeply hurt by other people, people who have perhaps slandered us, gossiped about us, lied about us. Um, Perhaps they've taken something from us, or maybe they've hurt someone in our family, maybe one of our children. Um, Maybe they've refused to repay something we loaned them, and on and on and on. There's all kinds of problems that exist between people. And some of those hurts are very deep, And they're hard to forgive. And then he went on to say, if when I'm speaking this, if a certain incident comes to mind, if a certain person comes to mind right away, he said, I question whether you have honestly dealt with forgiveness. And that really struck me at the time because there were some people that were very difficult to forgive. And again, I think this is something that All of us, sooner or later, we will have to deal with forgiveness. I want to look at it in four different areas. First, God's forgiveness of man. God's forgiveness of me and you. And man's forgiveness one to another. What does the scripture have to say about that? Also, the mechanics of forgiveness. You know, there's a lot more I've found to forgiveness than just saying, okay, I forgive you. It goes deeper than that. And then I'd like to... Look a little closer at how guilt can be a hindrance to forgiveness. It can be a hindrance to us for accepting the forgiveness of God, guilt. God's forgiveness of man is conditional. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no one excluded with the exception of children, innocent children, and those who mentally are not able to understand uh, their guilt before the Lord. There are, there are exceptions. We're talking about people who have come to the, a time of accountability, a, a time of reasoning, but they understand. They understand that, yes, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. Sin is described as any thought, word, action, omission, or desire that is contrary to the law of God. And I remember one time, a number of years ago, there was a a boy that I was, young man that I was working with on the farm, and he went to Central Lynn, and they had a discussion in one of, our, of their classes. They were trying to decide exactly what sin was, which is kind of a kind of an unusual subject for a public school. But they finally come to a conclusion among themselves that sin was breaking fellowship with another person. And that's not God's concept of what sin is. Sin is an offense against God. And in the New Testament, it says that it's a violation of the law, a breaking of the law. But basically, sin is a, an offense, a personal offense, against the Lord himself. All of us are accountable to God. All of us are in need of forgiveness. All of us stand guilty before God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And if we... Do not experience the forgiveness of God. 
we are doomed to an eternity apart from God, an eternity in torment, an eternity in, in terror and in fear and in darkness. All are guilty, and guilt always has consequences, always. In our court system, we see that a prisoner who is taken before the court is tried. If he's found guilty, then the judge sentences him. It could be jail. It could be to an execution. It could be any term of imprisonment. But we stand before God guilty, and unless that's dealt with, we will eternally be separated from God. However, there's a good side. God's forgiveness is offered to all men, all mankind. There's no exceptions. All mankind is offered the forgiveness of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect sacrificial lamb, on my behalf and on your behalf. And the Bible here says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. If we confess. So there's a, there's a caveat there. There's a condition to meet. Forgiveness is not possible unless we come to God on his terms. Confessing our sins, and that confession includes repentance, you know, it's a, a brokenness, a heart that is totally surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ as not only Savior, but also Lord of our life. The Bible says, The Lord, the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we serve a loving and a merciful God. He doesn't want to see anyone lost. He has made provision for every single person. Forgiveness is our choice. It's available, and we can take it, but we take it at his terms. Repentance is also a state as well as an act. I was converted, forgiven 40 years ago, but that needs to be maintained. The Bible says, if we continue, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Continuing in our relationship with the Lord on his terms, yielding to his love and returning that with our love and our obedience, our submission is a requirement. It's not an option. We do have a choice. We can say, no, I'm going to do it my way. We can listen to false teachings that make the road maybe a little smoother, maybe a little easier, but God won't accept that. And, you know, there's a very sobering scripture in the New Testament. I can't remember where it's in Matthew, but it says, in the last day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and we've cast out devils and we've done many wonderful things and my works aren't good enough. He said, depart from me, workers of iniquity. So there was sin that was not dealt with, sin that was still there. And here comes the time for judgment and all the works and all that. You know, if they're done in harmony with God's word and if we're done, if we're living in his will, then he accepts that. He appreciates that, I think. And, you know, that that's a blessing. There's some interesting verses in uh, in the Old Testament. This is not a this is not a New Testament concept. God doesn't change. But back in Ezekiel in the 18th chapter and then also in the 33rd chapter, the Lord tells the prophet Ezekiel, he says, When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live if he trust to his own righteousness and commit iniquity or sin, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity or his sin that he hath committed, he shall die for it. So we see the importance of a continuing, a daily walk with our Lord that is up to date. You know, when I was converted 40 years ago, there are times since then I have failed. I have failed. I have sinned. You know, I have, it's not just faults. It's, they're sins. So those need to be confessed. Those need to be repented of. Those need to be asked the Lord for his forgiveness. And you know, that's probably common to all of us. You know, we do our best, but sometimes, you know, sometimes we fail. And we hate to admit it. We hate to admit that there's sin in our lives. But, you know, sometimes there is. But the Lord says if we come to him on his terms, he will forgive us. And not only does he forgive us, those sins are no longer remembered. Not only We're not guilty any longer. He doesn't look at us as still guilty. We're, we're not guilty. 
when the unrighteousness is cleansed, the only thing left is righteousness. And that's what God wants to see in us. And that's a, that's a beautiful picture. The second uh, area of forgiveness I'd like to spend just a few minutes on is man's forgiveness of man. Your forgiveness of me, my forgiveness of you. You know, to the, and we all encounter difficult people in our walk in this life. We encounter some nasty people. We can encounter some very selfish people at times. And yet, some of those hurts, some of those offenses that they cause in our lives, the Lord calls us to forgive them. And this is interesting because it's not conditional. It's not if they come and ask us and tell us they're sorry. It's not if they say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. You know, will you forgive me? No, no, it's unconditional. If ye forgive men, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, that's pretty clear cut. This is a condition for being forgiven ourselves, if we forgive others. If we read in Matthew 18, there's some interesting verses there where Peter asked Jesus, he said, how often do I need to forgive my brother? Seven times? That seems like an awful lot. What kind of a brother is that? Well... Seven times? He said, no, 70 times seven. Well, really what he's saying, it's, it's limitless. Those who continue to offend us, uh, abuse us, uh, lie about us, slander us, gossip about us, whatever it might be, we are still called to continually forgive them, even if they don't want our forgiveness, even if they don't ask for it, even if they don't care. And that's hard. That's hard because those kind of people are, what we would say, unlovely, very unlovely, hard to love. And yet even the Bible says that we're to love them too. I think in this particular series of verses, in Matthew 18, he keeps referring to his brothers. But I think there's a principle here that goes way beyond just our brothers. Um, Forgiveness is not restricted just to those people who are in our congregation or who profess to be Christians. It's all men, because that's a principle. It's not just a specific. Bible also says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that is, if you have anything against anyone, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive Neither will your Father, which, in he- which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. And again, that's pretty clear cut. It's a, it's a, a spirit, an attitude in us, you know, of not revenge. You know, our, our human nature tends to revenge. You hit me once, I'll hit you back twice. You know, it's, you know, you slander me, I'll tell some stories about you. That's part of our human nature. I remember a minister saying one time, We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And he gave the illustration. He said, that animal is not a dog because it barks. It barks because it's a dog. Our sin is a consequence of our sinful nature. And even when we're converted, we still have to deal with that sinful nature. It's not just victory all the time, all because back then, you know, I was converted. I wish it was like that, but it's not. If any of you ever known people who are bitter people, who are unforgiving, and they have this grudge that they're, you know, it could be an individual, it could be, it could be a family member, it could be a church member, it could be a church, an entire church or a, a nation. You know, I remember after the Second World War, forgiveness of the Japanese and the Germans was pretty hard to find. They had done some really horrible things. And even the, the mention of a Jap or a German, a Kraut, they used to call them, you know, they're all bad people. But our forgiveness has to extend even to people like these murderers in ISIS. Can we forgive them? I mean, they are really these Muslim fanatics. You know, can we? Well, if we don't, it comes back on us, and the Lord knows that. You know, we become embittered, we become 
uh, angry, we become hostile, and we brood on these things, and it destroys us. If you've ever known a, a person that is bitter, they're not very nice to be around. They're just not very nice to be around. It, it, unforgiveness destroys the person who refuses to forgive. And I heard one man say, it's like, it's like taking poison to harm your enemy. The one who suffers is the one who refuses to forgive. In uh, Matthew, uh, again in chapter 18, uh, verses 23 through 35, it talks about the, the servant of a king or a ruler, and he owed him a huge amount of money. I think it's in the millions of dollars if we translate the thousands of talents or whatever it was. And the king was going to, he's going to take care of this guy. And he begged for mercy, asked for mercy. And in this parable, look at the, look at our relationship to the Lord, what we have done, what we owe the Lord in his mercy. And this king, he forgave the man. He said, he said, I'll forgive you the whole nine yards. I'll forgive you the debt. And the man was, you know, he was obviously very, very grateful. But he went out and he found someone who owed him, I don't know, we would say $5 today. I don't know what the axial equivalent was. It wasn't very much. And he said, pay me what you owe me. And the man begged for mercy, and he grabbed him by the throat, it says, and had him thrown into prison until he paid everything. And the king heard about this. Now, you know, draw a picture in your own minds of our Lord being the king here and watching this kind of thing where some of his subjects are not forgiving, and he has forgiven us everything. And he said, it's very interesting there, it said, uh, and his Lord was wroth or furious, and he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And, you know, I think there's a picture in that of the people who for, uh, refuse to forgive. They are turned over to a, the, the tormentors. They are, they're turned over to, uh, there's no peace. You know, there's just a, a, a grudge and a torment and, a, and, a, and an anger and, and even in a hatred. And, and it destroys that person. There was a minister one time said, there's two things that will die if they're not nurtured. One is a baby and the other is a grudge. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. When these things come to our mind, you know, past offenses, what they may be, you know, our, our memory isn't just a, a blank for the past. We, you know, there's things that we remember that were very, very unpleasant and very difficult to go through. And, you know, some other individual caused it, but you know, as time goes on and we continue to forgive, the details will get less and less. You know, but if we feed on those details and keep thinking about them and drumming them over and over, then it's going to become living and controlling, and it will destroy a person. It will, ultimately. There was a man one time that I met at church, and he he had come from another congregation in another state, and I don't remember where it was, but he had some kind of a difficulty with the congregation he came from. And he was grumbling about these people. And, and I said to him, you know, I said, you need, to, you, know, you need to get past that. You need to forgive those people. And he said, oh, he said, I forgive them, but I'll never forget what they did to me. Well, you know, <laughs> what's that tell you? I said, oh, dear. I think there's two people that have really impressed me with their forgiveness. Um, Jeff and Carolyn Schrock, I think most of you know about the incident they were involved in. It's been almost 16 years ago now. But uh, a man was responsible for the death of all five of their children. And yet... Carolyn, even when Jeff was still in the hospital and he was fortunate to survive, now this is from a traffic accident if you're not familiar with it. And this man, and the details never really all came out. He was tried for five counts of manslaughter um, for the death of these children, but he was exonerated. But Carolyn, while he was still in the hospital and her husband was still in the hospital, forgave that man and reached out to him. 
that's, that's hard to imagine. I mean, who can lose five children and it's his fault and then forgive him? And not only that, they made friends with him. They have a friendship that goes on to this day. If you've ever read the book, The Hiding Place, it tells about Corey Ten Boom, who was uh, in a prison camp uh, during the Second World War, a uh, Nazi prison camp, and the, the people were ruthless murderers. I mean, they were horrible. She lost her father, she lost her sister, and she nearly lost her own life. But she tells them an account a number of years later when she was giving a, a talk of some kind, and after this talk, this man came up and and she... she Recognized him right away. He was one of the guards at Ravensbrück, this this uh, concentration camp where she had been in prison. She knew who he was, and she was just shocked. And he came up, and I don't think he recognized her from what I understand in reading the account there. But he said that he had been a guard at this prison camp, and he asked her for forgiveness. And if you read it in the book, it's it, it was a it was a crisis for Corey Ten Boom. I mean, she really, her immediate response was not forgiveness. And she struggled with it. And this man standing here. And she said she finally reached out and shook hands with him and said she forgave him. And she said she just felt an overwhelming peace from that. It was maybe a, a, a bitterness or an anger or a unforgiveness that she didn't know she had. And, and the Lord tested that. And she passed the test. But she said she had a, just a, a wonderful sensation of peace at forgiving this man. You know, hopefully none of us will ever come to that point. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And our strength won't work. It won't work. You know, there are some situations we get into where, you know, we just don't have the ability to forgive people, but God enables us. He gives us the grace. His grace is sufficient. He gives us the the power to forgive people. I'm going to read a couple of verses here in Luke. Now we talked a little bit about a little bit about forgiveness. How do you forgive someone? Here's a person or a family or a church or an individual or whatever it might be uh, that's really done something really hurtful and offensive to you. And there's some scriptures in Luke that I think give us some insight into how we're to go about forgiving. I'll look in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 31. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other, also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and to him that taketh away thy goods, ask them at... Not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. And then down in verse 35, he says, But if you love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and unto the evil. Now, there's some specifics that are given here. And they're all in relation to our enemies or someone who is contrary to us in some form or another. And it could be from all kinds of different offenses. But here there's four specific things that are given. He says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. How can you love your enemies? You know, I don't have the strength to do that. I I am not able to love some of these very, very unlovely people. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. He says... In verse 35 there, that you may be great and you be, shall be the children of the highest. That's the consequence. We rely on his grace. We say, I can't do it, Lord. But in me, you can do it. Just use me and help me and give me the strength to do it. And that is a challenge. 
Love your enemies. And that's not the only place that's uh, given in the scripture either. Bless them that curse you. That's another thing. How do you bless someone who is antagonistic towards you or is slandered you or whatever it might be? How do you bless them? Well, it's kind of an extension of love, I guess, in my own understanding. Um, if they need help, help them. Um, you know, be courteous to them. Um, don't shun them. You know, that, I don't, I don't even want to talk to that person. Make, go out of your way and, and be friendly. And, you know, this is, and the details will vary depending on the situation. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Oh, and it also it says, and do good. Do good to them which hate you. How do you, how do you do good to someone which hates you? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 12 for a few verses here. Because there's some specifics given about doing good to those that hate you. Romans 12, and I'm going to read uh, verses 18 through 20. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Don't get even. But rather give place unto wrath or anger, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So we, we turn these offenses over to the Lord. He'll take care of it in his own way, in his own time. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's the heart, really, of the teaching we hear often referred to as non-resistance. It's not just hit me on the other side. It's overcoming evil with good. And the only way we can do that is through the grace of God, through the power that he gives us, the power of love. And he has done that to each one of us. He has offered us forgiveness. Pray for. Now, that is something that we can all do, regardless of circumstances and situation. It can be someone who's in another country far away. We can't uh, bless them. We can't do good to them, but we can pray for them. And I have found that when we pray for difficult people, it changes our attitude toward them, but it also changes us. And it opens up uh, a whole new realm of our relationship to people. And it's not so much any longer dependent on whether they're nice folks or not. Even the, the people who are unlovely, unloving, it gives us a compassion and a concern for them. It just changes us praying for the people that we don't like. And the Lord can change that into a love for those kind of people. And that's really at the heart of the whole gospel here, I think. Pray for those. It's contrary to our human nature, but again, all things are possible with God. Now, guilt. I want to talk a little bit about guilt and forgiveness. Guilt is a fact. Guilt is a fact that before we confess our sins and repent, we stand before God, we are guilty. That's a fact. There's no denying it. But guilt is also a feeling. It's an emotion. You know, we can feel guilty. Um, and guilt can be a hindrance to accepting God's forgiveness. And I'll share a, an incident that I come across within the last few years. It was kind of a stark reminder of this. But the forgiveness that God offers us has to be accepted. And if we don't believe that God really could forgive us because of things in our past, because of who we are, because of our lack of understanding of God, um, thank you, it, it hampers that forgiveness. Forgiveness has to be accepted in faith. And if we can't really come to the belief that God could forgive me, you know what I've done, then we bar that. Forgiveness. We can't go on and walk with the Lord if we doubt that he's forgiven us because our guilt, it's still there. And, you know, we're all different personalities. We have different, you know, just different makeup. And some people have 
guilt feelings over things that many of us would consider very small. And that's, that's, not, that's not the point. And some people have guilt feelings over things that are very, very big. And some people have no guilt feelings. There was an interview done with uh, the man that flew the Enola Gay over uh, Hiroshima. And there was somewhere around 100,000 people. He was the pilot. And they asked him later if he ever had any regrets or um, guilt feelings about what he had done in dropping this bomb on Hiroshima. And he said, I never lost any sleep over it. Well, there's a man who was partially responsible, he was the only one, for the death of thousands and thousands and thousands of innocent people. And yet, sometimes something can happen in a childhood where a person has a difficulty getting over that, you know, as it could be any number of things. But that guilt has to be given over to Christ, and we need to forget it. We need to forgive ourselves in order to receive his forgiveness. And that's something that's a lot more common, I guess, I've become aware of than I ever thought it was in the past. I do these... uh Correspondence courses for prisoners, a lot of them, how could God ever forgive me? And some of them have been involved in all kinds of violence and murders and, you know, all kinds of horrible things. And they just cannot come to the point where they can believe that God could really accept an evil person like they consider themselves to be. But that's who God came for. That's who Christ came for. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there's a promise there. He's not going to say, no, you're too bad. And that's, you, you, you did this in the past. So, you know, I can overlook a lot of things, but not that. That we have to believe to be given the forgiveness. He wants to offer it to all of us. God for God's forgiveness requires accepting that pardon from guilt by faith. And I'm going to give an illustration here that happened, well, a couple of them maybe if I have time. But a few years ago, um, probably four years ago, maybe five years ago, got to know a man in eastern Oregon who was attending the, the John Day Mennonite church there. And this man was uh, a very likable man. He, he had been raised in the Lutheran church, but I don't think his life really, I, he had never been really born again. He would say that. But over the course of time, he was involved in, uh, in some actions in the military. Um, but he was attending the church there at, uh, at John Day, and he was converted. He, he really was converted. This man was eager for everything in God's word. But he had a problem with forgiveness. There was one man he could not forgive. He flat could not forgive him. And he struggled with this and struggled with it, but he couldn't forgive him. And the man that he couldn't forgive was himself. He had been involved in some actions when he was in the military. And I talk with him. A number of the men at the church talk with him. They tried to help him. They tried to convince him that, you know, the past is past and the Lord doesn't remember these things. He'll forgive and he just couldn't do it. And one time we were talking and he knew I had a military background and he shared some things that probably he had not shared with any others. Um, but he told me that they were on a mission one time and it was a there was just a few men. I'm not sure how many there were. But they were behind enemy lines. And if they were detected, they would be executed very quickly. And there was a, a young girl spotted them somehow, and I don't know all the details. But they captured her because she was the only one who had seen them. And they, it was extremely important that they didn't get detected. Well, anyway, they had to decide, what are you going to do with this girl? You know, if we let her go, she's going to go back to the village. She's going to tell the people, and, and we're dead. And they finally decided she had to be eliminated. This is a young girl. So can you imagine living with that? It was at least 20 years, maybe more than that. And, you know, I, I don't remember any more details than that. 
But he could not get over that. He could not cross that bridge where he could forgive himself and accept God's forgiveness. And he struggled and struggled and struggled with that. And it finally came to the point where he did have victory. And just it's probably a little over a year ago I was visiting with him, and I had just gone out there. I was going to do some camping out there, and I went to church there on Sunday. And he came up to me, and he said, you know, he said, I've finally come to the place where I can forgive myself. And it was a big bridge to cross. And maybe some of us have to deal with that too. You know, I don't know. Um, there are all, in all of our lives, there's things in the past which we regret. But regret and accepting God's forgiveness you know, being cleansed from the guilt, you know, accepting the, the freedom from the guilt, that's two different things. There's things in my past that I wouldn't do again. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I think that's probably true for all of us. Uh, that should be true for all of us. It, it wasn't uh, less than a year later he died. And he was under instruction. He was getting ready to join the church. He'd uh, Jim Miller had been teaching him and he'd, been in, under instruction for quite a while, but he died. Just suddenly had a heart attack and died. He was a he was a big man, and his health was had not been very good for quite a while. But I'm going to read a couple of scripture here, and then there's one more incident I might refer to if I have time here. Um, Psalm 103, verses 10 through 14, and here. Let's see. 103, beginning at verse 10. And this is a psalm of David, but he speaks about our Lord. He says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You know, you know we serve a... We serve a merciful and a loving and a wonderful God. He gives us a clean slate. It's clean. There's nothing back there. There's nothing. You know, like I say, we have regrets. But he says, it's gone. It's done. It's taken care of. Um, You know, you have come to me in brokenness and in openness. And, you know, you're forgiven. Your guilt is gone. And, And that's a beautiful thing. Again, it's a... It's a, a testimony again of the of the love and the mercy of the God we serve, and you know there's no other. There's a lot of false gods. There's Allah and all the rest of them, but you know they they're not gods of mercy and love and compassion. None of them are. They're, I read an account of a lady who had converted from the Muslim faith to Christianity, and one of her family was trying to convince her that she'd made a big mistake. She needs to come back to the Muslim faith. And she said, if you can show me in the in the Quran one place where it says that Allah loves me, she said, I'll go back. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. There's only one God of love, one God of mercy. You know, for me, that's, that's a beautiful encouragement all the time. Uh, one more verse I'd like to read in Micah, and it's chapter 7. Verse 18, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. There's one other account I read recently that I might mention, and it gives a, an illustration of a man who rejected forgiveness. And this was, he rejected man's forgiveness. There was a man named George Wilson, him and a man named James Foster, back in the early 1800s, had robbed the males. And back in the early 1800s, you robbed the males, that was a capital offense, you were executed. They were tried, and both of them were convicted, and both of them were sentenced to be executed. But George Wilson had some political influence somehow or other, and his friends convinced the president, the president of the U.S., to give him a pardon, to pardon him from the death sentence. And he was given a full pardon from the death sentence. However, there was still 
20 years he would have to serve in prison because of some other crimes that he'd committed that were separate from this. And when they gave the, the pardon to, the, to this Wilson, he rejected it. He said he didn't want it, didn't want to be pardoned. And so they didn't really know what to do because he'd been sentenced to die and he'd been pardoned and he rejected the pardon. Well, look at a parallel here in our society of today. How many have rejected the pardon that God has offered to us? This was a dilemma for all the officials, and it eventually ended up in the Supreme Court. And I think it was, well, I can't remember the name of the justice. But anyway, when it went through the Supreme Court, the chief justice said, as a consensus for the court, a pardon that's rejected is no longer a pardon. It has to be accepted. The court has no jurisdiction to enforce a pardon. And see, there's a parallel in in Scripture to this, I think. So, George Wilson was hanged. The original sentence was executed because he had rejected the pardon, and he was hanged. So, we we have the choice today of accepting the pardon, and it's on his terms. We accept the pardon, and he gives us the terms in his word, and they are generous terms, you know. Generous term, brokenness, repentance, genuine sorrow, uh, a desire to live for the Lord. And, and then we get into a life that is, dis- it's a beautiful life. It's a beautiful life. Well, I hope this is an encouragement to you. And uh, may the good Lord bless you and just encourage one another too. Thank you all for your time and your attention. Thank you, Brother Pete, for that. You know, in our first hour, we talked about what what are some of the essentials for the Christian faith. And this is one that um, not everyone teaches. You know, it might seem a little bit odd to you, but I I was raised that said forgiveness wasn't an essential thing. You forgiving others was not an essential thing to do to be a Christian. But yet Jesus said, if you do not forgive men their sins, neither will my heavenly Father forgive you your sins. He said that God is merciful to those who show mercy. <clears throat> so this is something that is very essential, that um, we learn to forgive. As Brother Pete was talking, I appreciated the balance Some don't know how to forgive themselves for something. They don't know how to accept forgiveness. And maybe somebody here today is struggling with that. Some also don't know how to forget. You know, they, they go through a day, they go through two days, they go through three days, and that thing just stays there. Um, Jesus said, if you come to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, what are you to do? You know, that would be like you were coming here this morning, you're all excited to praise and worship God, and then all of a sudden pops in your mind, you know, I offended this brother. You're not even supposed to come here and worship and praise God until you've made that right. That's how important the subject is. And so I appreciated that balance of, of different kinds of people with different struggles. Some struggle with accepting God's forgiveness, and some people also struggle with offering the forgiveness. I remember down in Belize, I had a friend who would end every day, and he would go through the the day in his mind, and he would bring it before the Lord. Was there anything, Lord, that I did wrong? Let me ask you this. How many times have you been laying in your bed and uh, realized there's something today I didn't do right, and you got out of your bed, and you went and made it right? You know, you went and knocked on that sibling's door. Hey, I'm sorry for what I did today. That was wrong of me. soul-searching question. I appreciated his um, his illustration of drinking poison, something we do when we don't offer forgiveness. We mix up the poison for enemy, and then we turn around and drink it ourselves. Um, he also said that there's two things that will die if not nurtured. Anybody remember the two things? Remember? A baby and a grudge. 
he said that we can't do this in our own strength. And if Jesus couldn't do these things in his own strength, if he said that he can do of his own self do nothing, how much more can we not? And he also brought up some practical illustrations how to forgive by admitting that to the Lord and like Corey Tim Boone to put out her hand and did it in faith. Sometimes we have to do these things in faith. We'll um, open it up for any testimonies. How did the Lord speak to you? If anybody has something they want to say, um, I think we will pass out a microphone here. It's not for you over the system, but it's for those listening in. And by the way, I think I saw that Ben and Sarah are listening in all the way over from Africa right now. So anyway, if you have something, just if you'd raise your hand. <clears throat> Roger. Well, I just want to say amen. That was uh, those, those stories, those illustrations. It's it's really key to a it's not a, not only a, a part of the Christian life. It's really key to it. Just and. Uh, yeah, just the whole question of how is—it's uh, not just a simple thing of saying I forgive him. That that, that could be part of it. Saying it is is part of it, but you know, actually confessing it to God, actually you know, going to that person and asking forgiveness. Uh, there's 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 steps involved, and sometimes that humbling process is is. Uh, harder than something we want to walk through and i just want to encourage everybody walk through it it's worth it okay thank you i think brother neil you pass it over there yeah i know i'm back home a few months back i think brother cameron shared a message on offenses you know in this world we're going to have offenses they're going to we're going to offend people and offenses are going to come our way and the warning was to, in that passage, I was trying to find it. Uh, the warning is to both those that do offend and those that are offended that, uh, that we need to forgive when we are offended by somebody, that we need to forgive that person. It's, it's, uh, yeah, there's a curse, there's a, there's troubles that come upon both that do, the ones that do it, that cause offense and those that are offended that if we don't get our hearts right before the Lord, that there's consequences for both of those. Amen. Um, yeah, I can testify to that um, when there's um, unforgiveness in my life. Um, well, well, for one thing, the Lord seems distant over those times. Um, and then also you have to think about what it communicates to the world around us or people who, um, you know, they can see it in your life. I mean, you're not forgiving some, someone or something. And But if you can't forgive, then we, we, you know, we preach about our God. He can forgive us. He's forgiven yeah. us for so much, but we can't forgive this one person. We right. have a mixed message. Right. And also, like on a personal level, and I've been here too, but there's this one guy we used to, hit it, I used to work with him. And so I see him every other day in port, and he just ignores me. He's it's very obviously offended at me for something I've done, I think. I was trying to think, what did I do? Maybe I, I was thinking maybe the fact that I didn't tell him about getting married and stuff, being engaged. I, I think that's what it comes down to. So I need to chase that lead down, figure it out. But but the fact that he's holding a grudge at me, you know, it's not making me feel bad. You see, it's only hurting him. Mm-hmm. So I am responsible. I need to figure out what what happened there. Um, but yeah, just some thoughts. Thank you. I think Brother Bob had something. Real quick, it's actually something that Roger said in a sermon several years ago, pretty much like this, but one of the amazing attributes of God is that he can completely and utterly forget our sins. Completely. 
as only God can, mm-hmm. and yet remember them when we don't forgive somebody else. <laughs> it's an attribute of God that we don't have. That's interesting. Brother Wayne? You know, unforgiveness also <clears throat> affects our health. You know, people yeah. who have, that's one thing he didn't mention this morning, which is fine and good, but, you know, you watch people who are full of unforgiveness, you know, it eventually affects their health. And, um, you know, so at the end of the day, what's it costing you? On a personal level, <clears throat> so every two years, those of us that have, <laughs> that have CDL license, every two years we have to um, go get a physical. <clears throat> and uh, so I got a notice that I have to go get another physical, which is fine and good and okay. But two years ago, <clears throat> I was at the, went and got my physical and, you know, they, you know, they, the first, whatever you call them, ladies that come in, they take your blood pressure and blah, blah, blah. And I thought she was the most rude and unprofessional medical person I've ever laid eyes on. And inside of me, I was just like, I would just love to give her a piece of my mind. <laughs> <coughs> You know, I'm just telling you how I felt. Mm-hmm. And so she took my blood pressure, and she didn't make much comment. You know, I don't know nothing about blood pressure, like 200 or 500 or whatever numbers there are. And so then the so then the doctor comes in, and she was a very professional. Um, she was just a real lady. And very kind-hearted, soft-spoken. And she, you know, you know, hit your knee to make sure your reflexes all work and yada, yada, yada. And when she was all done, she said, let me take your blood pressure again. She said, that's a little high. And so, <laughs> so at that point in time, I told her how I felt about the unprofessional medical, her medical team. She didn't make much comment. But she said, well, that's a lot better. She said, now you can go. Well, <laughs> Well, inside, I was just like, you know, my turbocharger was spooled up, man. I was like, I would just like to tell her what I thought. But, you know, that was just short term. Mm -hmm. But now I have to go back two years later. I'm hoping she ain't there. (laughs) You know. And so maybe she got a real job. I don't know. (laughs) But the fact is, you know, that's all short term. But, you know, here we are two years later. Did I really lay that thing down, or am I hoping the worst for her? That maybe she got fired or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God has forgiven us the ten talents, and we can't forgive the two pence. My wife told a story uh, years ago. We went to an old folks home. I think I might have told this before, but she said there were two ladies. One lady was just this grouch. You know, she would just, you went up to talk to her, you know, she, give me that. And then a little child would come back, give me that toy. And you, she didn't want you to touch anything. She was just grouchy. And the other lady was just a sweet, bubbly lady. You know, her mental faculties weren't all there, but she was just a sweet, kind lady. And my wife realized these two ladies are are two streams that made a decision way back when and that were two lifestyles and this was the end of their life. So which one do we want to be? <clears throat> it starts with this idea. It also starts with, as he talked about, overcoming evil with good. You know, not the attitude, I bless you, but really looking ways to bless them in their interpretation that they would interpret it as a blessing. You know, I remember years ago, there was this guy and he didn't like me. I worked in a machine shop and I'd walk by and he got so mad at me because I would say good morning to him. And he went to the, I was a twerp, I guess. And he, he would go to the manager and say, would you tell him to stop saying good morning? And I just enjoyed that, you know, every morning, good morning, you know. That's not really blessing them, right? (laughs) 
bless them in a way that is a blessing to them, you know? Find a way to bless them that they would interpret it as a blessing. <clears throat> Get the heart behind it. Anyone else before we close? George, if you could be getting us a song. All right. All right, well, why don't we stand? Um, George, if you could lead us, and Brother Mike, if you could close us in order of prayer. Yes, please. Thank you. Turning number 797. Father God of heaven, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for being faithful to us again, meeting with us, speaking to us, encouraging us. Lord, what can we say? We give you glory, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you all the all the praise. Father, I pray that you'd help everything that's been spoken here today to sink into our hearts deep. Father, when we get tempted to want to hang on to an offense, Lord. It may be kind of hard, but I pray that you'd show us ourselves as we stand before you, that you'd remind us of the magnitude of debt and sin that you have forgiven each one of us. Lord, that we could look at people the way that you do, with compassion and love, and remembering that the sins that are being committed towards us 
were on Christ when he hung on the cross as well as our own. So Lord, I just pray, just make us a holy people that love you and that love people. Lord, that that your glory and honor could shine forth out of all of us, Lord. That your name would be honored. That your glory would be lifted up for your sake, God. Thank you again for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.